Tim Keller writes, in the meaning of marriage, only with time do we really learn who the other person is and come to love the person for him or herself and not just for the feelings and experiences they give us. You're listening to the 10 Minute Think Through, a to the point conversation about the Bible, theology, and current events. Back in September of 2016, my sister-in-law got married, which put her in an awkward spot of having a brother-in-law and a brother, both pastors, and oh no, who's going to weigh in on the uh, wedding? And so both of us had a point, and I was uh, being such a close relationship, obviously I wanted to listen closely to what the Lord might have us to say, and um, I made the statement, uh, the most pressing question at any moment in a marriage is who's going to die? And I thought, that's pretty hard hitting for a wedding here, standing <laughs> on the front steps at, you know, Manor, whatever, we, wherever we were, and um, and I get a lot of, I got a lot of comments out of that, like, I don't, I don't know if I've ever had a stroke of brilliance, but um, that for uh, it was mostly, most of those comments came from people who've been married for a really long time. And so I've just been processing that thought for a little while that uh, if spiritual growth is the process of our old selves dying and our new selves being raised to life, then, and also if, if what uh, Gary Thomas and many others since have said that the purpose of marriage is not just to make us happy, but to make us holy because that's God's purpose for everything in our lives, is to shape us into the image of Jesus, then uh, two people being married, a happy marriage might have something to do with who's willing to lay down their preferences at all times. And uh, that's not really fun advice, but yet when we die, that's when we really live. That's what Jesus said, I think, somewhere, right? So um, so is that true? I mean, does that is that what it really looks like. So what kind of got me thinking was we're going to have a marriage conference. We've kind of said every other year we're going to do a marriage conference in the fall in the life of our church at Arrowhead. And so this fall, the first weekend in October, open date for UT football. Hard to believe. We yes. got the speaker we wanted to come, Bill Kittrell, pastor of Cornerstone Church in Knoxville. And we're really excited about that. And uh, so just in doing some planning and thinking uh, and praying, wanted to uh, throw out an episode here on marriage. And this is the first time that that's been announced. So you podcast listeners are the first to... Insiders. That's Insiders. right. That's, that's really right. interesting. We have nothing, like no prize for you. There's no advanced ticketing or anything like that, but you know. First so. person, how about this? First person who contacts us after listening to this episode, you get a free registration to the marriage conference. Ooh, Love it. Heard on the fly, I just came that, up with that. That sounds great. I'm in. Yeah, I, I heard uh, some really great advice. Um, it was right around the time that I met Lane, my wife, and he said something very similar. He said that uh, successful marriages are built on willingness to be the first one to fall on the sword every single time. So um, I agree. I th- I, but at the same time, uh, I think that it's even important to consider the motives of why you do that, too. Like the reason that you don't sacrifice your preferences and, and, and really choose to die first is not so that later on they'll do that in reciprocity, right? It's not to get it back later. It's so that, like, you're out for the good of the other person, regardless of whether or not there's r- repayment of that. Yes, that's the, I mean, it, it, everyone in marriage sees right through that, you know, and, and you find yourself then questioning one another. Um, no brownie points. No brownie points. Yeah. You know, d- if, if in marriage two people become one, uh, that's, an, that's a miracle. That God does that ever is a miracle, but it's painful, 
you know i mean it's not uh, they you know always say sorrows are halved and joys are doubled well uh sometimes you know uh it's it's a painful process for two people to become one Um, when we when we first begin to date that's a really exciting idea you know it's all about no what do you want no i I, I really, no, you tell me really, where do you want to eat dinner tonight? Like, I really want to go where you want to go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you. It is like that in dating and it, it sort of changes. I've only been married a year and a half. Um, but there, it's so funny, like, especially like you mentioned the food thing, um, where, you know, if we're trying to decide what to have for dinner, um, I know what I want and I know that it's not what she wants. She wants carrots. She wants, <laughs> that's right. She wants carrots and hummus <laughs> and I I'm want twin dragon. Damn. And, <laughs> yeah. and um, it's, so what I kind of notice about myself is my first impulse is to fight and to be, I want to like advocate for my choice, you know, because I know it's not what, what she wants. My impulse is always selfish every single time. And so what I've kind of learned about myself in the last few months is if I can just like wait and like get through the initial like selfishness that's on that I feel first then like even just a few minutes later I can be selfless again so if I don't say anything at first if I can just like get through it I you know it's fine Um, but it's some like my immediate instinct is to be selfish every time I agree, and it's not just with food, right? It's and it it comes up with you yeah. Know, just an easy example, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I think that it's the reason I think it becomes more difficult over time is because there's um, at the beginning there's so much left to gain, right? That you're hoping to gain permanence of the relationship. You're hoping to, you know, if you hold the door enough, maybe you'll get a kiss good night. You know what I mean? And so, but over time, there's there's like less of the uh, assumption the, the assumption here is that there's less of a return uh, because we think that we're only going to get a positive return if it's like done to us we don't think that there's a ability for there to be a positive return from the lord when we die to ourselves sure and and in the relationship you know yeah. the the marriages of people that we've seen you know walk together for 50 years who all hold you know always holding hands and I mean, do we, do, would we ever logically think, well, that's just because, you know, she gave up and decided to give him everything? No, I mean, it's two people who have preferred the other person over a long period of time. There's no end to the joy that can come as a result of dying to self. It's true in our preferences. It's true in our <laughs> schedules. It's true in our bank accounts. I've offered every premarital counsel, counseling uh, session I've ever sat through, I have uh, have encouraged couples to take their bank accounts and make them one. Absolutely. I think that's like a, that's, there's no way. I'm right? not sure I've ever been taken up on it. Maybe with the exception of staff members. Really? Who I might have. Yeah, I don't, people don't do it, I don't think. It doesn't seem like maybe it's just an old-fashioned kind of idea or something and people just. I had no idea. Kind of look at I me thought and that was say, the norm. Yeah, me too. I can't imagine. Like, how is how would your spouse know what you spent? Yeah, and there you give them like access to the online thing, or well, I mean, uh, you'd have to take that up with somebody who doesn't do it. I do it, uh, but I think that often we tend to um, we tend to rationalize. We kind of say, no, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna sacrifice. I'm gonna and the other person. I mean, they're gonna do the same thing as well. And any opportunity, whether bank accounts or otherwise, we have to, to just almost systematize, like just take the doubt out of it. Why would you merge your bank account into one, one account? Well, because I don't want to have to have the conversation every time 
I wonder if it's okay if I should do like I want I want Sarah to be able to see it. Now my flesh doesn't, but uh, in any part of sanctification that might be present in me, I realize it's a healthy thing for us to to die without having to even try. You know. Yeah. So th- so that's why I would point that direction. I think fights and and disagreements and arguments in marriage come from surprises, like you're talking about. And yeah. So the ability to eliminate the element of surprise by doing, I mean, that's an easy thing. Right. Just I mean, just having just use the same bank account. You can get the same check card and uh, it's totally easy. And so that's a great way. How many how many marriage how many marriages are hurt and and maybe, you know, uh, ended over fighting over finances. And so if you know in advance that like what are you sacrificing? What are you actually giving up? You're giving up whether it's like a, a private life or secrets or just the or just anonymity or the ability to do what you want control. when you want control yeah. exactly yeah. but when you say yes to marriage you're saying no to all those things you're saying no to your preferences you're saying yes to what's best for the the couple the two that have become one and you're saying yes to that best not yes to your individual best Thanks for listening to this episode of the 10-Minute Think-Through. If you enjoyed our podcast, please take a moment to rate us on the iTunes or Android podcast store. You can find all of our episodes and submit a topic request on our website, 10minutethinkthrough.com.